0: Welcome to U News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Tuesday, June 23rd. I'm Lorraine Cáceres. These are today's headlines. A powerful earthquake in southern Mexico swayed buildings and sent thousands into the streets. No reports yet of damage or injuries. Nearly half of U.S. states reporting a rise in coronavirus cases, with 120,000 Americans now dead from the pandemic. President Trump heads to Arizona to push his re-election efforts. The state's ICU beds nearly at capacity as officials struggle with the outbreak. This and much more today on U.N.E.W.S. News, recorded live in our newsroom in Miami. An earthquake shocked buildings in central Mexico Mexico City on Tuesday with hundreds of people fleeing their houses and running into the streets after city alarms alerted residents minutes before the tremors. The earthquake shook southern and central Mexico. There are no immediate reports of the extent of the damage or whether any residents have been injured. The U.S. Geological Survey said the quake had a magnitude of 7.7 and was centered along the Pacific coast of Oaxaca State. And now we move on to the latest on the coronavirus pandemic. The country now surpassing 100,000 deaths as experts warn the number of infections could very quickly get out of control. This as leaders in different states are now pleading with residents to wear masks, more than 20 states seeing week-to-week hikes in COVID-19 cases. That upward trend expected to continue and experts warning we might be ruining the progress made during the shutdowns.
1: We now are running the risk of going backwards, of not even trying to catch up.
0: Nationwide, new confirmed cases rose above 30,000 for two straight days this weekend. That's the highest since May 1st. More than 10 states saw their highest seven-day average of new infections
2: wear your masks.
3: Practice physical distancing continue the hygiene that is so foundational in terms of mitigating the spread of this virus.
0: The death toll across the U.S. has now surpassed 120,000. In Utah, a state public health official warning that the surge in new cases is, quote, quickly getting to a point where the only viable option to manage spread and deaths will be complete shutdown. The governor there saying they will work to stem the tide, but has no plans to shut down Utah's economy. In Texas, hospitalizations have doubled since May. Of an Greg Abbott, they're now calling the rates of new COVID-19 cases, quote, unacceptable, asking people to wear masks.
3: I know that some people feel that wearing a mask is inconvenient or that it is like an infringement of freedom, but I also know that wearing a mask will help us to keep Texas open.
0: On Monday, as Florida surpassed 100,000 cases, a dozen cities in South Florida, including Miami, made wearing masks in public mandatory. One of the biggest hospitals in the area, Jackson Health, reporting an 88 percent increase in patients in the last two weeks. This as a study done by experts at the Scripps Research Institute in that state suggests the new coronavirus has mutated in a way that gives it four to five times more spikes. Those spikes make it more stable and easier to infect human cells. And because of the surge in cases in Florida, more than 4,000 Disney World employees have signed a petition asking the park to delay reopening scheduled for July 11th. A similar petition is circulating in California among Disneyland employees with 45,000 signatures. Meanwhile, on Capitol Hill, Dr. Anthony Fauci told a House committee today he believes it will be, quote, when and not if there will be a COVID-19 vaccine by the end of the year or beginning of the next. Dr. Fauci and other top health officials are testifying on the administration's response to the pandemic. Janet Rodriguez has the details from Washington, D.C.
4: Janet. Lorraine, and that hearing is still ongoing at this hour, but we're hearing very um, illuminating and optimistic uh, words from Dr. Fauci saying that he does uh, believe that we will have a vaccine by the end of the year or 2021, early 2021. He also announced that a very promising trial, vaccine trial, will be going into phase three in July, so these treatments are rapidly moving in the right direction, he says, and this is very promising in the fight against coronavirus. This is a little more of what he had to say in Congress this morning.
3: And I believe it will be when and not if we get favorable candidates with good results, we will be able to make them available to the American public, as I said to this committee months ago, within a year from when we started which would put us at the end of this calendar year and the beginning of 2021.
4: Now about the surge in cases that you were just talking about, Dr. Fauci said that this is very disturbing, that he's very concerned, and that the next couple of weeks are going to be critical in the way local and federal officials deal with the amount of cases going up across the South, especially of the United States. All of the witnesses today were asked about the president's comments over the weekend where he said in his uh, Tulsa rally on Saturday that he had told administration officials to slow down the number of, of tests so that the number of coronavirus cases were not reporting as high. All of the members that were present today, task force members, said that none of them, that this was absolutely false and none of them had been asked to slow down the testing. In fact, they had discontinued the mission to ramp up. Testing so that is widely available throughout the country. But the president, as he was leaving for uh, uh, Phoenix today for Arizona, another state that has a searching cases, said, "Well, I wasn't kidding about what I said." So there is a disconnect between what the task force is testifying under oath here in Congress and what the president is saying. And Dr. Redfield today also said, the director of the CDC, that. It continues to be the biggest way we can fight the coronavirus, continues to be with social distancing, wearing masks, and proper hygiene. Back to you.
0: Thank you, Janet, for that report from Washington, D.C. And as Arizona battles arise in coronavirus cases, President Trump is heading to the state to rally his supporters. The move is raising concerns from some government leaders and health experts. Andrea Linares has the details.
1: President Trump ready to campaign in Arizona today as the number of coronavirus cases and hospitalizations there hit a record high.
3: If you think about any single patient situation longer than five seconds you're going to have like a mini meltdown internally.
1: (laughs) From Tucson to Yuma, the county's only hospital is now calling for every available nurse in the region and for volunteers from out of state. We are having a situation where we don't have enough nursing staff. I would consider whether it's appropriate to have this event in Phoenix while we are increasing the amount of COVID in our community. But this isn't stopping the president. His first stop is in Yuma, where he will visit the Customs and Border Patrol Station and tour sections of the border wall. Later, he will end the day at Dream City Church in Phoenix, where he will deliver remarks in front of a crowd of about 3,000 young people. Republican lobby group Students for Trump is hosting the event. Vendors in the area say they've been seeing college students coming into town just for this.
3: We've had some college kids that came in from Sacramento, California that are going to the rally and they were excited to drive by and get some merchandise today.
1: In a video that was posted to Facebook and later deleted by the mega church, officials claimed to have installed an air purifying system aimed at killing the virus.
3: We've installed these units and it kills 99.9% of COVID within 10 minutes from yeah. independent testing.
1: But doctors say that filtration system has not proven effective against COVID-19 and that people still need to take precautions like wearing masks. City officials say that all rally goers will have their temperature checked at the door and there will be hand sanitizing stations at the church. Meanwhile, two more staffers who attended Trump's rally in Tulsa, Oklahoma on Saturday tested positive for coronavirus, bringing the total to eight. According to the campaign, these staff members were wearing masks during the entire event. Those staffers have now been quarantined and contact tracing protocols have been activated. Arizona's Governor Doug Ducey indicated he has no plans to intervene in the public's voluntary events during an election year as long as hospitals have bed and ventilator capacity. Overall, ICU bed usage has settled in at about 84 percent as of Sunday. In Miami, Florida, Andrea Linares, U News.
0: Thank you, Andrea, for that report. And joining me now is Dr. Carlos Del Rio. He's a professor of infectious diseases, global health, and epidemiology at Emory University. Dr. Del Rio, cases are spiking in nearly half the country. How worried are you of what's to come?
2: Well, Lorraine, uh, good afternoon. I'm not only worried, but I'm really disappointed. We had made significant progress, but at some point in time, we said, you know, we've had enough and we're going to open but we opened without taking the appropriate precautions. Had we taken the appropriate precautions, had we mandated, you know, masking, uh, face masking, hand washing, social distancing, I think we would be in a diff- very different place. But the population obviously said, well, it's over, you know, I, I need to get on through with my life, but the virus was not informed and contagion has continued, and cases are spiking, and I'm really concerned that we are back to where we were three months ago.
0: Doctor, infection rates among young people are rising as we were just reporting. What are the challenges with this demographic?
2: Well, I think, you know, the challenges are are, are two. Number one is that the good news is that young people tend to not get us sick. So what we're seeing in the hospitals is we're seeing a rise in hospitalizations but not a rise in in ICU, and as you can see nationwide, cases are going up, but mortality is not going up. So young people get infected, but don't get sick, and and the mortality, therefore, drops. But they still can get pretty sick. They still can end up in the the hospital and the intensive care unit. But the other thing is that then they can go home and they can infect, you know, uh, their grandparents or their older uh, population, or they can be uh, somebody who's you know in the 30s but has obesity, diabetes, hypertension, and that will put them at very high risk of complications. So there's obviously a lot of, of challenges. And I, I, in my mind, the biggest challenge is that young people feel themselves indestructible and, and therefore are not taking good care of themselves.
0: Doctor, we know that a higher percentage of tests are coming back positive. What does that tell you?
2: Well, what that tells you is that there are cases. Again, you know, the, uh, the president and others are wrong. Just because we're doing more testing is not the reason there are more cases. Tests do not cause cases. Tests help to diagnose cases. If people are infected and you test, you're gonna find people who are infected the WHO, the CDC, others recommend that you do enough testing so that less than 10% of your tests are positive. That means less than one out of every 10 tests you do actually is positive. When you start going above that, that means that you have ongoing transmission and you're simply not testing enough.
0: Let's talk about now um, about the vaccine. Dr. Fauci just said this morning that he's optimistic about a vaccine being available at the end of this year or the beginning of 2021. What's your reaction to this?
2: Well, you know, I have enormous respect for Dr. Fauci, and my group here is actually one of the sites who's going to be doing one of the one of the vaccine studies. I would say that the way the vaccine is being done, the speed of the vaccine development is unprecedented. We went from finding a virus to getting a first dose of a vaccine into humans at, in 65 days. In July, next month, we will start the uh, uh, the next the. Uh, a clinical trial uh, nationwide, a phase three, and several clinical trials will happen after that that will tell us tell us if this vaccines work or not. So we, we're I'm absolutely sure we will know by the end of this year if we have a vaccine that works or not. And that truly is going to be un- unbelievable. Never has a vaccine been developed so quickly, and with so many people working together. And it's been the government, community, investigators, and 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 industry, and public partnerships that are leading that way to to actually be able to do this this quickly.
0: Dr. Del Rio, the Trump administration officials are stockpiling for a supposed second wave in the fall, but the first wave isn't over. It's just growing. Should we stop calling it a second wave?
2: I mean, I think it's time to stop calling it. it, it you know, We had a peak, then we had a plateau, and now we're having another peak. I think if you want to call a second wave, it's happening right now. So maybe in the fall, we will have the third or the fourth wave. I mean, I think you know we just need to say this has not gone away. If you look at the graph of the United States. We went as low as oh, having 20,000, a new diagnosis per day. Now we're up to 30,000, an increase of 50%. Uh, we are having a major outbreak. The virus has not gone away and people need to take precautions. We need to stop kidding ourselves.
0: And finally, doctor, as you know, cases are spiking in Florida and some cities are now requiring masks. Is that enough to slow the spread?
2: I think it's a very good first step. What was unfortunate is that we didn't do that, uh, you know, two months ago, a month ago, but it's never too late to do the right thing. Mandating masks is gonna make a big difference. There's some very good studies showing, there's a study from Imperial College saying that if 50% of the population wears a mask all the time, we can decrease transmission of this virus to, to a, in a very significant way. If 75 or 90% of the population wears a mask, we essentially can stop the transmission of this virus. So yes, that is the right thing to do. Masking, hand washing, and social distancing are the tools we have to stop transmission right now and we need to implement them
0: well definitely the next few weeks are going to be crucial thank you so much for your time dr carlos del rio professor at emory university The FDA is warning consumers about six types of hand sanitizer. Officials say these may contain methanol, a substance that's potentially dangerous when absorbed through the skin. The agency found that samples of one product, Lavar Gel, contained 81% methanol and those of Clean Care No Germ contained 28%. The agency's alert comes at a time when hand sanitizer are in especially heavy demand due to the coronavirus pandemic. And the funeral for Rayshard Brooks is taking place today in Atlanta. The service is being held at Ebenezer Baptist Church, where Martin Luther King preached until he was assassinated in 1968. According to a family attorney, actor and producer Tyler Perry, is from, who is from Atlanta, is covering the cost for the funeral. Meanwhile, in Washington, D.C., protesters gathered in Lafayette Square Monday night attempting to topple a statue of former President Andrew Jackson. Police in riot gear pushed them back. As this was all happening, the U.S. Secret Service told members of the White House press corps to immediately leave the White House grounds. It's a highly unusual move. Secret Service later said four members of the media were misdirected to leave the White House grounds. Earlier this month, peaceful protesters were violently cleared from the area, after which President Donald Trump walked to near a nearby church for a photo opportunity. And in Virginia, tensions flared between police and protesters in Richmond for the second consecutive night. Police say demonstrators formed an unlawful assembly at Richmond City Hall early Tuesday, prompting warnings that people would be arrested if they didn't leave the area. All of this comes after city and state officials indefinitely shut down gatherings at the monument of Confederate General Robert E. Lee from sunset to sunrise. The officials say the statue will be closed each night for safety reasons. Welcome back to U News. Today is election day in a number of states and they are coming in the wake of the killing of George Floyd and nationwide protests. Kentucky is facing controversy for a huge number of closures to polling places in predominantly African-American areas. Meanwhile, the protest movement giving a boost to underdog Democratic State Representative Charles Booker. Before it seemed the Democratic Party had all but decided on former Marine fighter pilot Amy McGrath, but now Booker is surging and gaining endorsements from progressive leaders while McGrath still has the support of top party leaders in Washington and has raised a massive amount of cash. Meanwhile, at the White House on Monday, President Trump extended restrictions on issuing new temporary work visas and green cards. He says he's protecting American jobs impacted by the pandemic. Joining me now is Leon Fresco, he's a former Deputy Assistant Attorney General in the Obama administration who now represents H-1B workers. Leon, thank you for being here. Glad to be here. Who's affected by this order exactly?
3: Well, the people who are affected are people who have either an H-1B visa, an L-1 visa, a J-1 visa, or an H-2B visa. And those individuals, if they're outside of the United States tomorrow, on June 24th, 2020, will not be able to get a visa if they currently lack one, meaning sometimes people's visas expire or sometimes people have been approved for a visa and they need it to get issued by the embassy none of those people will be able to get a new visa issued by the embassy until at least December 31st, 2020, meaning they will all be stuck outside of the U.S. for at least the next six months.
0: And to expand a little bit, so this order appeases the president's supporters who want tighter immigration, but it's upsetting business groups. Why is that? Can you explain?
3: Sure, because many of the people who are banned are actually people who already have jobs in the United States and are people who were accidentally outside of the United States recently because there was some emergency in their family or they had a sick relative or something else and they haven't been able to return into the United States in order to uh, come back because the embassies are currently closed because of the COVID-19 crisis and they haven't been able to get a visa. So now these companies are not gonna be able to get their workers back for up to nine months. In addition, these individuals have US citizen kids sometimes, and they're still, the kid might be able to come back, but they're not gonna have parents here that will uh, be here with them because the parent is banned from entering the United States. So that's another huge problem. And finally, an even larger problem that is going to happen here is that there are many visas like the L1 multinational visa, where it's a foreign company who's trying to invest in the United States to create jobs. And what they're doing is they're trying to bring the executives here so that they can train the U.S. workers to do their jobs. And those businesses aren't going to be able to get visas issued for their executives to come here and open new companies in America, which is totally counterproductive for the job argument.
0: And Leon, how much difference will this order make in terms of protecting American jobs?
3: Well, let's even say that the Trump administration estimate of 525,000 jobs was absolutely correct. That's still a minuscule number of the over 140 million people who work in the United States first. And secondly, more importantly, that number isn't a number that's going to be a one-for-one replacement with a U.S. job. There are many people on these visas whose jobs can't be done by an American. So for instance, if you're a lawyer who has a law degree from a different country and there's a cross-border international arbitration case and you have to know X language and X law and be a lawyer trained in that law, there's not gonna be an American worker here who meets that requirement. So. Just banning that person doesn't add any jobs. It only hurts the ability to get the work done here that needs to get done.
0: Well, very complicated topic. We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, attorney, uh, immigration attorney Leon Fresco. My pleasure. And in Tennessee, community leaders say the Latino population is having a hard time battling COVID-19 and more needs to be done to stop infections there. Maite Inderiano has more on what president, on residents want from the state's governor.
5: In a three-page letter, 18 organizations representing Tennessee's Latino communities call on Governor Bill Lee for urgent help. In a letter, leaders say Latino communities are experiencing at disproportionately high rates of COVID-19 cases. Despite making up only 5% of the Tennessee population, Hispanic and Latino people currently account for 27% of the statewide COVID-19 cases according to the Tennessee Department of Health.
3: People are trying. Uh, I I have respect for that, and and we've been part of those conversations. But the numbers show that we have to do more.
5: Mauricio Calvo is the executive director of Latino Memphis, one of the four Shelby County organizations who signed the letter that are based in Shelby County. Calvo says the problem for Latino communities is complicated and has to do with socioeconomic factors as well as a lack of health care coverage.
3: I mean, this is a very complex issue. I don't believe that anybody is intentionally saying, hey, let's leave this group or that group out. But what I do think is that we need to have a a more comprehensive strategy. In the letter, Latino
5: leaders call on LEAD to make seven immediate steps to support the Latino population that they say needs help. Those include invest in Spanish-speaking community health workers and case management programs, provide alternative quarantine solutions to Latino families in need, partner with Spanish-speaking media groups to promote testing,
3: among other requests. The main goal is here to create a a strategy that is inclusive to all Tennesseans uh, you know that and and that includes we have to be sensitive about language barriers we have to be sensitive about different people having different immigration statuses this is not time for politics
5: Dr. Stephen Thurkett an infectious disease specialist for Baptist Memorial Hospital says he agrees there should be a focused approach for Latino and African American communities affected by the pandemic
3: We have to be creative, we have to, and I think we have to connect with the leaders of the Hispanic community to find out what they need.
5: Galvo says this isn't about leaving any groups out, but helping communities that desperately need it.
3: This is something that we're all on this together, and we have to get all on this together to get out.
5: Maite Interiano for U News. More of U News after this short break.
1: Welcome back to U News
0: incredible moment of solidarity for nascar driver Bubba wallace on monday fellow drivers crew members and others walked alongside his car to show support after a noose was found hanging in his garage in alabama the 26 year old is the only african-american driver in nascar's top circuit nascar nascar condemned sunday's display of hate and allowed dozens of drivers to escort wallace's car to the front of the field officials say they are investigating the news and federal investigators said they will review the incident as well. And Novak Djokovic, the number one men's tennis player in the world, announced today in a statement on his website that he tested positive for coronavirus. The Serbian tennis star had been taking part in the Adria Tour, a mini tennis tournament he set up to raise funds for those in need. On Sunday, another player who had been taking part in the same tournament announced that he tested positive as well for coronavirus. And on Monday, Croatian Borna Soric announced he too tested positive after attending the same tournament. Meanwhile, the NBA is offering players a smart ring to track the virus. The maker of the device says it can track a user's health data and even predictive users are about to show symptoms of coronavirus infection. The $299 ring is designed to monitor sleep, pulse, movement, heart activity and temperature. But there's not much information yet on how it will work to track the virus. Thanks for listening to U News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow U News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review. Join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.